John sees the person who's talking behind him, and it is unique. It's different than anything he has ever seen before. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're finally here. Uh, it took us all year, but we read through the Bible and we're in the book of the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What an amazing revelation this is. We'll talk about it in five minutes. Ryan? All right, well, today to go along with our reading of Revelation 1 to 3, my segment is all about the seven letters to the seven churches. Very good. Look forward to that. Uh, seven's big in Revelation, Janice. Today, this is the testimony. All right, very good. And as we continue to talk about WOW Mission, Jim is here. Jim? Okay. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm not sure I got anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you do. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now, let's go and get ready and listen to what God is saying. We're reading from Revelation. This is interesting. 12 to 20. Listen carefully. Revelation 1, 12 through 20. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Revelation chapter 1 verses 12 through 20. We are in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. It is good, let me tell you. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you read through the Bible with us this year, you're almost finished. Another couple of days here, and uh, it's gonna be very exciting. You know, the book of Revelation is not the only last book in the Bible, but it was probably the last book ever written in the New Testament. It was written in the late AD 90s by John the Apostle, while he was imprisoned on the isle called Patmos. I've been on that island. The book is about Jesus Christ's final plan for the world, the revealing, the unveiling of the glorified and resurrected Son of Man, 
Jesus Christ. It, it's remarkable to say the least. John spends most of his time describing what he has witnessed in the spiritual realm. More than any other book of the Bible, the book of Revelation focuses on events at the end of the age. Well, the book is very symbolic and it's very repetitive and it's very orderly. We read about seven lampstands, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. And it speaks of what will take place in the heavens and on the earth. Now, chapter one, two, and three are the details of John's vision of the Son of Man and the letters that he was told to write to the seven churches. Chapters 4 to 22 cover all the events that were to take place after that. And John writes this from heaven. It's very interesting. His spirit travels there. This is fascinating. Take your Bible guide and turn to it. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us and we'll send you one or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible guide and it will take you to a page. And uh, it's, it's for donations. And thank you for the donations we won't tell you uh, what to give. The Holy Spirit will. And Holy Spirit, we pray today that you would speak to people and that you would help them right now and touch people in this time of inflation and everything else. Just help the Lord. Uh, it's Christmas time and everything else, but Lord, help them in Jesus' name. Amen. And also, it'll take you to a page where you can download it. Now, let's pray about the apocalypse. Father, help us to read this and understand what you have said. I, I pray, Father, for a special revelation from the Lord during this time. That revelation will happen in different ways. It won't happen just here, but it'll happen as it goes out where you are, where the people are, Lord. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help us to see you. Thank you, Father, for unveiling yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, Amen. Now, remember that when you read this and when we understand it, God will show you things where you're at and suddenly it'll come on. A light will come on in your head. That's the Holy Spirit teaching us things. So we've made our hearts ready. Let's read Revelation chapter one. Let's begin with verse 12. Then I turned to see who the voice was that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as the snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, a light source. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in the furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. My goodness, that's incredible. John sees the Son of Man, perfect in power, perfect in divine authority. This is the first time the apostle sees Jesus Christ in this way. Let me tell you something. Stunning, isn't it? John has seen Jesus Christ in many ways, but this is the first time he sees Jesus Christ in heaven this way. That's amazing. 
it gets better. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Jesus Christ has accomplished all things necessary to redeem us from sin. God is the authority over life and death. You know, this year I saw in my neighborhood a whole lot of people celebrating at a certain time of year, at the end of October, the celebration of death. And I couldn't believe it. But I celebrated the following days, life in Jesus Christ with a nativity scene on my yard and lit up in Jesus' name because God is life. He's given me eternal life and he's given you eternal life too. Isn't that great? I think that's awesome because we're going to live forever. So in about 30,000 years, Let's go down on the south side of Jerusalem, have some coffee together. I'm serious, because we're going to exist at that time. Now think about that for a while. Can't fit in your daytime or eternity. Very interesting, isn't it? Let's go back to the scripture. Chapter 1, verse 19 says, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Write them down. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Fascinating. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. No one else is. Jesus Christ is the head of his church. No one else is. Doesn't matter. Your denomination may be the biggest denomination. It may have all the stuff in the world in Rome or whatever. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. No person on this earth is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Remember, he can, he can come to earth and he has through his Holy Spirit with us, but he can come at any time. And he did that with his disciples and he'll do it again and he'll take us away. And let me tell you something. We need to understand that God is the head of the church. So we read his word and we see this. We have it in our iPads and our phones and everything else. That's exciting because the word of God is alive. It's the logos, the moving active Word of God, the spirit, the sword coming out of his mouth. Revelation 19, we'll get to that. We're going to read about his word and how his word is used for the judgment at the end of time. It's going to be very interesting. So this is the beginning of Revelation. It is a good one. It only gets better from here.
Welcome back to the program. Today is part of our scriptural assignment. We read Jesus Christ's seven letters to seven specific churches. Now, what's really fascinating about these letters is that they have at least three and maybe four different applications. The first application is local, meaning that these were real churches who are struggling with real problems as laid out in the letters. The second application is a public one. These letters weren't just meant for those individual churches, but for all churches. But third, these letters are also to be applied on a personal level. They're for each and every one of us as well. And a fourth application, which isn't accepted by all scholars, but it's interesting to consider, is a prophetic application. According to this idea, these letters lay out in advance the future history of the church. Check it out. Although most number the New Testament epistles at 21, Technically, there are seven more because Revelation chapters 2 and 3 contains seven letters from Jesus Christ himself to seven churches in Asia. The churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. What's so fascinating about these letters is that they have at least three and maybe four different levels of application. The first application is local. These were actual churches in Asia. Of course, by Asia, the Bible doesn't mean the continent, but rather Asia Minor, which was a province of the Roman Empire and includes the western two-thirds of Turkey. In fact, it was world-renowned archaeologist and former Bible skeptic Sir William Ramsey who painstakingly researched these churches and discovered that these letters were dealing with real problems in those churches at that time. Nevertheless, these letters were also written for all churches. This is clear from the common refrain in each letter. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Churches here is plural, meaning these letters were both for the local church as well as every church. But there is a third level of application as well. Jesus Christ's repeated use of the phrase, He who has an ear, let him hear, in all seven letters, is an admonition to each and every individual as well, since all human beings have ears. Therefore, these letters were written to the local church, to all churches, and to all individuals as well. Although not accepted by all scholars, some believe these letters also have a fourth level of application in that they are prophetic. In other words, these letters seem to lay out in advance the future history of the church. Proponents of this view note that out of all the possible churches Jesus could have written to, he chose to address these seven in particular. There were several other important and high-profile churches at the time that Jesus could have addressed, such as the churches at Jerusalem, Galatia, Thessalonica, Iconium, or Lystra. So why didn't he write to them? It seems Jesus was laying out the specific historical timeline of the church. It is significant that if these letters were in any other order than the one presented, they wouldn't fit the historical model. If then this prophetic application is correct, then that would mean the book of Acts covers the first 30 or so years of church history, while Revelation covers the remaining 2,000. So the question is, is this fourth prophetic application valid? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure. I need to do more research on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did line up. I mean, our God, the God of the Bible, and the creator of the heavens and the earth and all therein knows the end from the beginning. What we do know for sure is that these letters were meant for the individual churches and all churches past and present, and us today as well. 
What's also interesting is that Jesus wrote to seven churches, but so did the Apostle Paul. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And uh, as we continue on through the book of Revelation, we will discover that John shows us some interesting things. In chapter 4, he goes to heaven in the Spirit. It's really interesting to hear what he sees there. Janice? Well, we are starting the book of Revelation. And for a lot of people, it's overwhelming. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't read it like we do the other books of the Bible. In fact, here's the introduction. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. This is what John wrote to us in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, and it's actually one of the very first sections of Scripture that Ryan learned, and we learned it as a family together. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Very interesting that uh, our emotion is so deeply into that passage because that's, that's the Son of God, mm-hmm. that's Jesus Christ. That's the Lord. You need to understand that we talk to you about God who's real and alive. One example of that is Jim Canlon, who's who's here with us today. As we approach Christmas, it's a good time to talk about this needs in the world in South Africa and India and the rest of them. Jim, with this ministry, what pictures do you have or what can you share with us? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's not unusual when people are presenting need to show some really uh, pathetic pictures. I I understand that. Uh, But not all the pictures are pathetic. What's wonderful is you might come into a situation where you've got a number of little orphans who are close to death, and then through your champion ministry there with church, local church-based volunteers with um, daily care and supervision, uh, clothing them, uh, getting them medications, then getting them into school, it goes from pathetic to something like this. And uh, it's, I don't have audio for this, but these are uh, some orphans that are not looking so pathetic, right? They look great. Yeah, they're ready to be fed. You see the cups and stuff, <laughs> and they they got a spoon or two. But the point is, I wish you could hear the, the audio. Uh, maybe you, you can. We might be able to fix it in the post. Uh, uh, and anyway, they're not especially well-dressed, okay? But they are dressed. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've known a lot of orphans who are naked. You know, even, even a two-year-old is embarrassed when he or she is naked. They're clothed, they're being fed, they're being cared for, and they are just sort of one, if you will, segment of the overall, because we're dealing with a lot of young adults. You know, HIV and AIDS was just killing young adults like a plague there for years. And now with antiretroviral medication, you know, uh, they're no longer dying, but they still have HIV. 
Uh, and then, you know, with our ministry in, in these countries, uh, they're being cared for in terms of their medical needs and their nutrition needs. And, and um, we're getting, you know, orphans educated and we're trying to bring them out of this, uh, you know, this vicious circle uh, that is uh, lending its way to their destruction. We're seeing them, if you will, reconstructed. Um, and it's through the power of uh, the applied word of God. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not social workers, and I, God, God bless all social workers, but we're not social workers. Uh, we have a different mandate. Uh, even though, you know, there are those who would look at what we're doing as social work, we're doing far more than social work. Our bottom line concern is their soul. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I told you in an early program, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was five. Little five-year-olds in Africa love Jesus. And if you were to ask them why, they might not be able to answer. They just do. I love Jesus. And I think it's because they know intuitively that Jesus loves them. What's that, that chorus we used to sing in Sunday school? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know, um, that's powerful. That, that's that's more than theological uh, mm -hmm. truth. That 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 is that is a, a relational truth. And when you when you talk about Revelation and uh, Jesus' words through John to the seven churches, these were all people that Jesus knew. Uh, they weren't on the margins. Yes. They were still in process of <laughs> uh, being brought from death unto life, and as we all are. Uh, and they had to be rebuked. They had to turn away from some things. They had to repent. Uh, in fact, he says to one church, uh, I think it was Ephesus, remember, repent, and do the works you did it for. Remember, repent, and do. Remember where you came from. Remember the tomb is empty. Repent of your sin and do the first works. Do the works you did first when you first encountered Christ. You know, there's no believer more enthusiastic than a new believer. That's we, right. we all know this, right? Mm -hmm. They're so enthusiastic, they go off in 40 directions. <laughs> They're like uh, the guy who hops on the horse and rides off in 40 directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you, you deal with them kindly, and, and as a pastor, you, you nurture them, and uh, slowly, slowly, uh, you bring them around to uh, living their lives productively for the kingdom and not just being enthusiasts, even though enthusiasm is a great thing. And theos, filled with God. That's what enthusiasm means. Nevertheless, let me show you um, uh, one more pick here. I mentioned uh, the chief, Kapaluna, last time, giving us the village. Um, I realized that this was more than just um, talk more than just some kind of a ceremonial gifting when this happened. Oh, my goodness. He came over to me. My goodness. And I picked them up off the ground. I tend to do that <laughs> when I hug guys. I, I do a bit of a bear hug, you know. I, poor guy, he, I hope it didn't break his ribs. But see his face? He loves the Lord. And obviously, he loves me. Now, think about this for a minute. How many songs do we sing 
about our love for God. You know, we love him because what? He first loved us. Ultimately, Revelation is a love story. Yes, it's apocalyptic literature, you know, and apocalyptic literature is kind of like uh, looking through a kaleidoscope, you know, you turn it and the colors are always changing, the patterns are always changing, and you can't make sense. You know, I, <laughs> I've known people who tried to, you know, make a systematic study. Of, forget that. Just go with what it says it is, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look for Jesus in the book of Revelation. That's what I say. Look for Jesus, and you'll find him there. And what you'll find there is that he is the Lamb of God, slain from the, foundation, from the foundation of the earth. You'll find that he is the Lion of Judah, who breaks every chain. You'll find that he is the lover of your soul. You'll find that he is the Messiah, and he is the conquering King of Kings, and he's waiting for us. <laughs> he's waiting for us. Um, and again, this, this is why when I'm dealing with death and dying all the time, in Africa and India, I, from time to time I do pray for healing, but usually it's beyond healing. Usually the healing needs to come now on the other side, mm. where there are no more tears, there's no more sorrow, mm. there's no more lame legs, there's no more blind eyes, there's no more deaf ears, there's no more HIV and AIDS, there's no more COVID-19. People have entered into their rest, as yeah. you were pointing yes. out a few weeks ago or a few days ago, Ryan, they've entered into their rest. Rest. Yeah. But, but make no mistake, heaven is not a rest house. <laughs> heaven will be the center of a whole new creation, and we're going to be a part of its administration. Mm. I look forward to that. That is excellent. Thank you, Jim, for being with us mm -hmm. over the past few days and reminding us of the importance of doing, uh, repenting, remembering, repenting, and doing. Yeah. May we do today. WowMissions.com is the website. Remember, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we're going to do this all next year, Lord willing, is a live prayer meeting at 3.30 to 4.30, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV. I emphasize that because we want you to join us as we update you on what's going on in the world and pray for you. So make sure you join us. Today we pray, Father, we praise your name for the church, and we recognize that you, Lord, are the head of the church. In Jesus' name, amen.